I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And together we host The Big Picture, the Ringer's film podcast for new releases, career retrospectives, director interviews, movie drafts, top fives, and so much more. Twice a week, we break down the latest releases, argue about whether movies are doomed, and debate our modern film canon. Listen to The Big Picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here. Raja Bell there. Real ones. Raja, it's the third anniversary show. So we had to do it big. We got a former teammate in the building. We got a uh, four-time champ. We got someone I used to cover. We have a documentarian of a documentary called Underrated that you can see on Apple TV Plus at the moment. He is Wardell on the court. He is Deli Bo in the streets. <laughs> we have Steph Curry in the building. Steph, how you doing, hey, yo. I am doing fantastic. Appreciate y'all having me on. I'm excited to be here, you know? A lot of, yeah. lot of history amongst this pod. Yeah, yeah. A longtime Real Ones listener, Steph Curry. That part. Oh, um, word? Yeah. No, I remember okay. one of our first episodes I was talking to. <laughs> I used to make fun of the way Logan used to do them reads. <laughs> I would get a random text like, you made me buy Duracell for the whole house. <laughs> um, so it's good to have you on, Steph. So as we go into the underrated um, bag where we're in, I can't help but think about the early years of you in the NBA with a guy by the name of Raja Bell, who was your vet, who came into the Bay Area for a brief stint. I was a vet. I was a vet. I got there very, very late. Was a vet like on I, the team. A vet. A vet. A, a vet on the team. What do you remember about that? He said he had to. Did you have to get donuts? Did you have like what did you What did you have to do with Raja? Came late in the season. What was the experience like as Raja as your teammate? Well, I mean, like this ain't the date Raja because he was he was a vet, but he was a serious vet in the sense of like when I was coming up. Um, you know, watching the league after my dad had retired, like he was, 
uh, you know, that dude is a part of, you know, some some amazing playoff runs and moments, like the battles with Kobe. Like there was such a now his name I, we all we all knew if you knew the league. So coming in as a rookie, uh, I was playing with Monte, Steven Jackson for a hot second, and then that was a trade. You came from Charlotte, right? Yep. Yeah. So like um there's just a lot of connection and respect for who he was. But I had no idea what the hell was going on in the league at the time. And, you know, just trying to figure it out, trying to get some reps underneath me. And uh, like when you have a vet like that, we weren't winning anything. So it wasn't like we was, you know, coming in trying to establish like championship culture. But I mean, Roger was trying to get out at that point. <laughs> just even self-admittedly, he was trying to get out. I was just trying to, uh, to you know, gain as much wisdom as possible along the way. He didn't, I, he said he came in a little later. So I skipped all the rookie duties. Maybe, maybe a Quizno sub or a Jama Juice on the way to the airport. Maybe one or the, one or two runs from that. But for the most part, it was pretty low key. Yeah, I was the greatest twenty five. I think it was twenty five win season uh, of all time, right there. Man, <laughs> listen, I I, I t- I've told Logan and them before because coming from Charlotte, like your pops was doing our games, right? So like even the year before that, when you were. You know, and this will kind of dovetail into the doc, but like even when you were on that run, like I would be talking to Pops and asking him, you know, and asked about you as you were going through your draft process and and all of that kind of stuff. So when I got there, I mean, it was there was a lot of young talent, but, you know, you guys were all trying to figure it out. And and then there were vets like Devin George. Who else was there? Ronnie Turioff, I think, was there in a couple. Corey Maggetti. Corey, that's right, Maggetti. And so I I would be sitting with them and – uh you know, they asked me if I could tell, and I really couldn't, like, like on full scale, right? Because, like, admittedly, you said you hadn't really figured it out yet, but there would be these snippets in time, there'd be these flashes, and those dudes would be telling me, like, hey, man, no, this this is for real. And and I, I sit over there and I watch it, and, you you know, you'd watch these, like, and you'd be like, oh, shit, yeah, that's it. That's it. And so I always have to answer, like, honestly, like, I didn't know but I shouldn't have been surprised, right? Because you could see that. I think that, you know, even though Jack was probably better for y'all's team at that point, like starting to kind of subtract some of those pieces around and putting more and more on your shoulders systematically was like a big part of that, you know? No, for sure. It was a uh, growing up quick trial by fire type of year where, like you said, all the circumstances did not make anything, you know, easy, but... uh, I, I got reps. I got to learn through mistakes. I got to kind of figure it out. And even we had a little something to play for throughout the year, trying to get Nelly the uh, the all-time coach's wins record. Um, so, like, there was a little something to kind of key on, even though we were way out of the playoff chase and all that. And, like, we had some of the vets, but we had, like, a team of young rooks and guys from the G League, Anthony Morrow. Um, Morrow, that's right. Yeah, uh, right. Reg, Reggie Williams, uh, Anthony yeah. Tolliver, CJ. So it was like a it was a hard kind of transition, but it was mad fun because we were just trying to figure out a little bit of confidence at a time. And any bright spot was like the best thing in the world. I remember, I remember talking to Rico Hines um, a couple years ago about you. I was doing a story on you, and um, he was talking about your early days. And when he was talking, when we were talking about that first season. Where he says, uh, yo, man, we didn't even want, whenever Steph would shoot floaters, we would hate it. We would tell him to stop. He would shoot floaters from like the college three pointer range. And they'd be like, what are you doing? So, how do you, how did you, 
I think this goes back into your story a, a lot, but like, how did you go from a fact of people telling you your game is not fitting for this specific era or whatever? This isn't fitting for the type of basketball we want to play right now. And you just saying, nah, I'm just going to shoot this floater. I'm going to do, I'm going to use my imagination on the basketball court in this way. I mean, at a certain point, like you said, you, you stick with what you know, how you see the game. I'm coachable in the sense of I try to take in as much information and direction as possible to know, what, like to figure out you know, or acknowledge what I don't know and understand like what am I actually building towards to being like a dude that can be a leader of a winning team. But there's also just the creativity and a free-flowing nature that I played the game from jump. And so as much as you'd want to like be uh, – methodical about the game and like really predictable about what you're trying to do. I, I get out there and I just, I just play the way that I saw the game. And so it all stemmed back to like, I, I remember hopefully Roger would say this too, when he, when he, when he, when we played together, like I love to work. So it wasn't like I was just out there just trying stuff. It was, you know, I would really put the time in and, and like the reps in it. Like that's not the first time I've ever done anything like that. Or I wasn't trying to refine the skill on a daily basis. So when I got out in the court, like, there was a there's a sense of confidence that I could execute whatever I was trying to do, so I'm sure coaches respected that too. Um, you know, early on, trying to Nelly, he was so old school and he didn't want to give rookies any type of free pass, I guess, in the sense of like you know having to go through you know the early struggles. But he told me like I should never have more shot attempts than assists at one point. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and when he said it, I was. I was like, I get, I'm a point guard. I get, I got to get other people involved, but that's you know, like you're, you're, you're dimming a light in terms of something that I could add value in terms of shooting the ball. So that really messed with me a little bit early on. I think he was kind of testing my mental fortitude too a little bit. To oh, see he tested your it, mental fortitude exactly. first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, a, there was a lot of testing of that. <laughs> I think, you know, Steph, kind of in you asking the question about, about him figuring out like he had to be kind of true to himself as a player. It helps when you go into a situation like he described, where you might not be chasing a championship or a, you know, second or third seed in the West right away, right? Because that that provides a landscape where you can kind of, you know, get out there and just spread your wings. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, we go back to the drawing board. It allows you the freedom to kind of do that, right? And the pressure isn't on right away. That's important. Um, and then secondly, I just touched on Nelly. Like I've told the story before, Steph. I was fucking blown. I was fucking blown away, man. Like I was rehabbing. I was rehabbing my wrist. And I would go out to some like occupational therapy. So I'd pull up on top of whatever that is, that Marriott, like five minutes before practice would start, right? Like yeah. five minutes, y'all would be in there juiced up, ready to go. And I'd have to hustle in and get changed. And this one time I pulled up and there was this, this like old school single cab truck, like sitting right by the door. I shit you not, it was sitting right by the door. And I was, I wouldn't have paid much mind to it except smoke was coming out of the windows. And I was like, oh shit, the truck's on fire. So I ran over. <laughs> That's a way to put it. <laughs> Bro, yeah. I ran over and Nelly was sitting in the driver's side, smoking a cigar, petting his dog on the front seat next to him. Man, this is five minutes before practice started. <laughs> lucky the lucky the Chihuahua. That was his That's uh, what's up. Uh, and he come through that side door like five minutes before practice in his little trench coat. Uh, yeah. put it, he put his stool up on the side and just call out plays the whole practice. It was such yeah, an damn, interesting bro. vibe from day one. So yeah, we learned we learned a lot quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want. 
I have so many Nelly stories. Like, I feel like every time we, <laughs> during this pod, we always have just random Nelly stories that we just come and talk to, like the shuffleboard by the lake yep, story. Yeah. That we, I think that I forgot the name of it, but they we would they would always uh they he would the initiation before every season when Nelly was there was to take you guys shuffleboarding before before season. Do you have a shuffleboarding story? Oh, absolutely. That was uh I didn't get mine until probably January, February, but we skipped practice one day. And he took us down there. He didn't tell us where we was going. It was like this little hole in the wall kind of bar spot. And you pull up and, you know, he's like, hey, you get a drink. Come over to the sofa board. We stayed there for two hours. And I guess a, it's a trap to think that that's the real NBA. <laughs> like, to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to think, like, uh. This is the true NBA experience. <laughs> like this is, this is Don Nelson, like the freaking godfather of, Seven second offense and all this other stuff. Like, yo, what is going on right now? I loved it though. All right, man. I do want to get into the real NBA stuff now that you you brought it there. Let's get to the real NBA. I think the last time I saw you was Game Five of the semifinals. It was after you guys won Game Five, going back before you guys went to LA. And I was working on a story that wound up coming out in May, and it was uh, basically talking about the two. I think I prefaced the question just the two sides of the, the locker room last year. And I think one of the questions that I asked you was, how do you bridge the gap between at least the team of last year, the veteran team, and then the young guys? How do you bridge that gap? And you turned around and we pointed at Jordan Poole's locker and you said that he is the key, right? And we are here now and two months later. And or however many months later, and Jordan Poole is no longer on the team. And I guess my question to you is, what is the biggest thing in your mind that changed from May up until whenever the deal happened? And what do you why do you think it got to that point, considering all the history and all the things you guys wanted to do with him? Yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially the nature of the league where uh, I think if you look at there's nothing linear about, you know, how decisions are made, right? Or I guess everything has a kind of cause and effect. And the fact that we were in that fight when we had that conversation going into the playoffs uh, run and looking at our team as currently constructed, I firmly believe that that was a true statement in that moment where, you know, the way that he approached his game his energy and his presence in the locker room was so kind of contagious for the young guys to build confidence for us to believe that we were all headed in the right direction. And like, obviously the playoff run didn't go exactly the way we wanted it to. And then there's a, a, a conversation of like every team is trying to get better. Every team is trying to put themselves in a position to legit, like be a title contender. We have the, the know-how uh, to kind of gauge what that actually means. And there was a decision that needed to be made um, on like, you know, what is the the right group of guys? What's the right pieces that can fit to cap maximize, you know, our core, which if we double down on our core and that's what I felt like we should do. Cause I don't feel like we're that far off. Like what's the right, um, what's the right move? What's the right, combination of guys that can put us in that position so that was a you know the conversation that happened over the last whatever four weeks before you know the trade deadline and and uh tough decisions have to be made and you can't shy away from them uh as much how as fast was that i guess is the question like how fast was that turnaround right because like even 
you know, even after the season, everyone's thinking at least that he's going to be back on. And then all of a sudden, you know, the trade happens. Like, how, what was the turn, the turnaround from how it happened? From my standpoint, like, it was extremely fast. Um, it was pretty dead after the playoff or after we lost to the Lakers. You're watching the rest of the, the final or the playoff run. You're watching the finals. You're watching Denver win. You're looking at, all right, um, what other moves are happening around the league, which, you know, you're always keeping tabs on what's going on. And so probably, honestly, like 10 days or so before the deal happened, um, you start to hear conversations of the decision tree, right? And we're trying to sign Draymond. We're trying to get some more experience in the locker room because we know we needed that to to be a, a lot deeper team. And then uh, the CP trade happens. It's like, oh, did you – consider the option of playing with him it's like that makes a lot of sense in terms of connecting a lot of rotations but what does that mean and then what that means is a tough decision with jp so um it happened really fast in the sense of again you're reacting to what's going on in the league and what options are out there and every team goes through a scenario where you have to you know kind of plant your flag on on who you are as a, and you know, what your identity is and what you're really investing and committing to and for us it was the core for us it was you know, trying to um, establish ourselves again as a title title team. Uh, I feel like we're we're that, and we just have to go execute it now. And if if it doesn't work, you make decisions going forward. That's just the nature of the NBA. It's it's part of the process. You kind of touched on connecting lineups, right? Like as CP3 is concerned, and like I want to I want to ask because at least like in theory, I understand what you're saying, but you could argue at times at least historically speaking, in his game and what you guys try to do as an offense, those things don't, at least to the naked eye, look like they fit all the time. Like, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm of the belief that great teams and great players figure those things out and people can adjust. How much of that is is on you guys and coaches to kind of incorporate Chris and try to figure out what's best there and how much of it is on Chris to come in and say, all right, look, this is kind of the way we do it. Like, how do, how do you see that? Like, maybe not a perfect world, but how do you see that playing out? I think it starts with us as as the players to we always say like a great team that has a lot of talent and you know guys that know how to do it you have to bring your egos bring your full identity of who you are to the table but you also have to know you know when to sacrifice for the betterment of the group and that is the big question for us is you know how do we put all of any agendas on the side and say we're just trying to win right we're trying to maximize these the great years that we have left because you know we, we know that there's a timeline to this and what it looks like shouldn't matter right it, we know that there's you could argue seven guys that could argue they should start there's seven guys that could argue they should finish games and do the math like there's gonna be two people that are you know outside of that equation um and even guys uh that are taking the next steps up on uh in terms of the creep and, you know, Moses Moody, JK, those guys, they're going to want to have an uh, extreme impact on the team. So we have to be able to put any agenda aside and say we're just trying to win. And whatever it looks like is in the best interest of the team. And that will reveal itself as we go through. So that's what us as players. For CP, like, I think he gives us an element and a change of speed that we needed even in the Lakers series um, because it started to become – you know, kind of just a, a, a one speed pitch that, you know, 
it was you know, motion offense and you know jacking up threes and we were trying to figure out some more pick and roll situations we were trying to find some more ways to create offense in the half court he's obviously a master at that um and i know at this point in his career he still has the ability to elevate the talent ar around him um you have to be a mindful of of minutes and games and you know making sure that we're peaking at the right time come at the end of, end of the season but he gives us a different look and i feel like it, you know the the commitment to to you know figuring that out early we don't have to have answers right now because you know that's what training camps for that's what the early season's for is to try to uh, you know trial and error and figure it out but he gives us a different element that we need and even putting me and clay off the ball uh, for more parts of the game, you know, it's going to be fun to, to, you know, to figure out what the right combinations are. When you think about what happened last year and you have the benefit of hindsight months later, how do you think that you guys handled last season and what maybe it could have been have done better? in your eyes with the benefit of hindsight that you guys have, because your, your, your mission was to let the culture figure it out and the culture didn't figure that out. So what do you think you guys could have done better in that situation? And in hindsight, how do you think it could have played out if you could have done it over again? Honestly, I don't know. I feel like maybe more of a, I don't know. We, we had a, I can't even tell you how many conversations we had, you know, training camp when the incident happened to the beginning of the season when you know you're trying to make sure everybody's on the same page in terms of expectations on a daily basis of how you deal with you know personal relationships how you try to be professional when it comes to the job that we're all uh here to do you know dealing with some of the uncomfortable nature of you know the remnants of that situation because it's we always talked about it between JP and, and Draymond, you know, being able to try to rectify the situation, you know, have uh, the necessary conversations from a coach's upfront office standpoint. Like, I'm sure you could argue about should there have been a suspension or not. And it's like we had so many conversations um, and so many kind of back and forth in that moment of what, were the, what the right course of action was. And there were a lot of variables that you had to take into play. Um, so I feel like there's no regret there. It's just a matter of like, it was an unfortunate situation that everybody was put in. And at the end of the day, we felt like time would heal, you know, some of those wounds in the sense of allowing us to just be, um, you know, somewhat understanding of like, when we're on the court, we're here to hoop. And honestly, that's, that's how it should be in the first place. We'd love to have you know, deeper relationships and friendships and, and ability to let that expand off the court. But it, at a bare minimum, there's trust that we're all here to add value to the team. And I felt like we 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 have bright spots, but uh, we just couldn't sustain it. And arguably, if you think about it, long-winded way of saying this, if you think about it in the, in the playoffs, you know, it was, a, it was a tough matchup with L.A., but a couple games here and there where we, you know, we all, I'm not, everybody individually levels up their game and, and plays to the level that we should. It's a different story. It's just that's how basketball goes, right? Like, if everybody plays their best, um, or the, the in each game in the series, you know the, the team that usually you know has guys play at or above their level is probably going to win, and that's why everybody watches. That's the unpredictable nature of of the game. Uh, we were just on the wrong side of it this year, which then illuminated all the other issues that we had throughout the year. So 
Um, it'll be interesting for us to have a fresh start and, uh, and regain the culture that we've established over this, this last decade. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And now, a Real One's Original. He has thrown a perfect game of beer pong out of a helicopter on three separate occasions. He once led a course on marksmanship at the Navy's top sniper academy. He's undefeated in mini golf while wearing a blindfold as his handicap. He's the greatest shooter in the world, Stephen Curry. I don't always miss. But when I do, it's none of your business. I got one more. I'm interested in this because I've never been in a situation, Steph, this is a long ride, right? Like you're in a long window of sustained excellence as a franchise, as an individual. And from everyone I know uh, that has had similar like stretches of time, they say it, it can become, you know, really exhausting, both physically, emotionally, and mentally. And so you know, maybe coming up short last year and and having this reset, if you will, with the roster and and having new challenges like bringing in Chris and figuring out how that works. You alluded to it not having to look great right away, but you know this is going to be something that that you guys can now sink your teeth into in terms of another challenge. Like, how refreshing is that? Like when you're this deep into it, right? And now you're you kind of get to hit a reset and try to figure it out again. Like I often think that's important to have something new to tinker with and figure out and kind of re-energize and revitalize. It's big if you take advantage of it. Um, uh, you, you go about you know, the X's and O's on the court a certain way. You establish an identity, and there's like just a newfound confidence. I'm talking like our peak run, um, even during the KD years, where it was it was clear. You ask anybody, like, how do we play? What do we do? How do we win? And everybody would probably say the same thing. 
then you go through years like 2021 where that answer was probably 20 different answers from coaches to front office to the players in terms of there was not really an understanding of what it meant to took to win and um, there's a learning curve there and then we figure it out in that next season um, and now we hit a lull this year where you know obviously it's hard to defend but uh, a championship but it it came with a lot of new new challenges along the way and uh to your point yeah we have so many unknowns now of like all right me draymond clay we really feel like we still have a lot left in the tank we feel like we can you know way at the highest level wigs uh loon guys that have been a part of championship teams uh, and are veterans in their own right understand like who they are and now it's just about hooping you got CP coming into a new fray, our history, us trying to figure out the new look and you know blending different styles of play. That's an unknown. You got young guys that are trying to step up again, like I mentioned before, and figure out a, uh, who they are as, as NBA players, but also how do they affect winning in this situation and in this organization. That's an unknown. So like, um, it's a lot. And I, I love these problems because it means that we're still you know relevant. We're still... Um, contenders in the league we're still in a position that you have to take us serious on a nightly basis and the fact that we've been doing it for 11 10 11 years like it's 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 kind of you know unheard of in the league in the history so it's you got to accept all of these unknowns and to your point turn it into fuel to say all right we still control kind of our own destiny in the sense of this team that's currently constructed and you want to ride that wave as long as you can because you know that the business of the league can can snatch your your coattail pretty quick. I want to go back to the doc for a bit. There's a scene in there where after you were in New York when you broke the three point record, and you guys had a had a little event, and um, Kevin Durant showed up. And there's a part in there where he, you know you guys are are exchanging pleasantries. Uh, I'm not quite sure what was said on there. I got to watch the doc again, but. I wouldn't say it's a full circle moment because you guys are always tethered, but how have you guys been able to, even though he's not on the team, kind of just inter- like integrate him back into the family, if you will, right? Where he's a guy that is, you know, he's tethered with you guys for a long time. What is, how did you guys get back, if you guys did at all? Because I know you got, when he, you went to go see him before he left, how did you guys kind of get back to a place where you guys are where you are at now uh, and, and being back to the, to that spot where not necessarily maybe the hurt has kind of subsided and you guys have gotten back. I mean, I never really had any hurt to begin with. I, I knew as a, a man, as an athlete, like he didn't owe me anything. He didn't owe our franchise anything. It was a situation when he left, it was, you know, his, his own decision. I made sure I was available and open about how I felt about him as a person, as a player, you know, how confident I was that we would be able to win for a long time. Like you say, your piece on that front, but at the end of the day, uh, he makes a decision to leave. Like I fully respect him as a person and uh, have so much appreciation for what we were able to accomplish. I didn't really have any resentment on that front. It, it, in terms of like the last, whatever, was it been four years since we played? Uh, five years. Um, there's competition. There's the the different narratives that come up in terms of the success that we've had and you know him him trying to find uh another championship and you don't get you don't really play into that as much because you have your own 
things to worry about in the sense of leading your own team and 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 making sure you're giving everything you got to it, not getting distracted with all the quote unquote like bull that goes around our league in, in terms of narratives that pop up. And even when he came by the uh, the the celebration after the game, like that was a gesture in and of itself. He didn't know they were, he didn't know there was cameras there. He didn't know I was filming the doc. He just happened to show up, wanted to show me love because he uh, acknowledged greatness in that moment uh, of me, you know, breaking that record and like that's that's the relationship that we have. So for me, like it's, it was easy to maintain that. Like obviously we don't hang out as much or talk that much, just in the nature of distance and all that. But uh, I didn't really have any resentment at all. Um, for him. Talking about Kevin really quickly, last year, last summer, I do remember, you know, there was some talk, and I'm only talking about this because you you have talked about it on other platforms and other things, uh, when he became available for a trade. Oh, about him coming and back? I, <laughs> and I remember him, you being a little giddy and saying something to the effect of, like, I think I saw you in Summer League and you were really giddy and you were like, don't sleep or something along those lines. How did, what was the scenario from your end and how close was it from your eyes? And how did you, what ended up happening? Uh, I think there was, what's the word? I don't know what the word is, like excitement or like uh, curiosity of, is this really uh, a legit like possibility? And it all, it all, to be honest, I had talked to him maybe once or twice about it specifically. Um, but he was not, he wasn't in the decision-making process or he wasn't in a position where he's like calling like, Hey, I want to do X, Y, Z. Like, what do you think? It was just more of a natural conversation. And it just spoke to what I just mentioned about like, yeah, we know our games gel. We know, we know how to play basketball. So if it ended up being that, of course, I'd love to play with him. Um, but it never really got past that. So again, you know, like he wasn't in this, this situation where he, he could demand a trade, but, he didn't really control the the outcome of it, so I didn't really spend too much time after the initial uh, shock of like, oh, he he wants out of Brooklyn. Like, what? <laughs> I got a question, Steph, as it pertains to your dad. Like, we're talking about the doc. Um, I can't wait to watch it. It's Apple TV, right? Uh, Apple TV Plus, yes, sir. Yeah, Plus, yeah. So me, my boys and I are going to sit down and watch it. And I ask this because... You know, I have one, one of mine's a football player. The other one's more of a basketball focus, right? And, you know, you lived this, your your dad was a, was a really good NBA player. And, and, you know, you came up, I think you were probably in a wheelhouse where you were around the team more than my sons were, but were there pressures associated uh, with, with who he was for you? How'd you navigate those? Like, you know, what, what, what was your, was your young career, like going into Davidson as a player? It was, um, it was a very unique journey just because of uh, the shadow that my dad had cast for playing, growing up in Charlotte, playing, you know, being the NBA son and uh, just the, the, the hype around in my own little world, which I felt like when I came into the gym, everybody knew who I was, everybody knew who my dad was, but I didn't really have the, the path of like, everything's kind of paved out in terms of how I get to this next level. I'm, I'm destined to play in the ACC, uh, which is, which is a goal of mine. I'm, I'm in the position where, uh, everything's going to be easy. And so there's like a real kind of juxtaposition there, which was interesting. It's not like, uh, I mean, I was blessed. I had the underrated mentality is not about like the me, the lack of resources or means to, or access to the game. It was more like, you know, 
when it comes to like pure talent, skill, and the ability to you know manifest a dream or realize a dream, my path is just going to be a little bit, a lot more difficult, a lot harder, and a lot more unique than even what my dad went through. So um, a lot of patience, a lot of self confidence, and that my journey was was for me. And you know, even at the point when I decided to go to Davidson, I got I kind of got laughed at at school. Like I came back. I was like, yo, I got a scholarship offer. It was hating. It was hating bad. Like, I got a, I got a, uh, I verbally committed to, you know, today when I went to a football game. I remember this, like it was yesterday I went, uh, after Coach McKillop came to my house and I was like, yo, I, I want to go to Davidson. I'm, I'm, I'm verbally committing uh, to go there. I went to, went to the football game that night, sat in the section, like, had my shoulders, you know, back. I was like, yo, tapped my chest, like, yo. I'm going, I got a, I got a college scholarship. I'm going to play D D one basketball. I'm like, well, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to Davidson. It's like, yo, what? <laughs> what <are> you, <laughs> where, where, who is that? The whole deal, and it just reinforced the fact that, uh, you know, the ability to have opportunity to just play and and take that next step and be seen by a coach that really believed in me and had a, a, you know, a confidence that he could help me get to my full potential. Uh, it meant the most to me. It unlocked, you know, uh, another new level of confidence. And the funny part about it is when you're seeing a doc, like I, even when I got to school, my first game uh, was against Eastern Michigan. And I always tell the story because I had 13 turnovers in that game. And I remember it being bad. And I remember coach like having to make a decision on whether he was going to bench me or and not play me and kind of dim my light right away. But when you watch the film, we found the highlights or the lowlights, I should say, of the actual game. Uh, it's going to shock you how how awful it really looked. And uh, uh, I was out there like like Bambi out there, you know, wobbly legs, couldn't couldn't figure out anything. And to know like that's how it started and and the history of or uh, the journey that I've been on ever since has been been amazing. Uh, before we get out, I got a story to tell. Um, I don't know if I've told you this stuff of the time where I think we first met, but I'm, I, I got to tell this story. I got to give a shout out to my homegirl, uh, Persia P from the B. I remember that we talked, bring this full circle from the pod. So your first, y'all first two years was 0910 together, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember, remember the, you guys still do it, but there was the, uh, the, the tickets where you, my pops used to get the, like the ticket packages to watch. I was a huge Laker fan. So he would always get the Kobe package. Right. And, um, one of the, the games on there, I forgot who you guys were playing, but it was Bollywood night. And, um, and you were talking during Bollywood night. And I'm going to tell you like this. I was not a believer. I was like, this dude lost to St. Mary's. Like, what the fuck? Like, Monte Ellis is the one. What are you talking about? He's the one. (laughs) And I remember my dad was like, uh, because you were speaking at the end or whatever, right? Yeah. And, um... You, we, my dad snuck us down. He's like, we gonna come down and watch stuff. I'm like, I don't really want to watch stuff. I want to see. I don't care what he has to say. I'm trying to go home. Like, I'm trying to take Bart and go home. And so we, I went, and you were speaking, and I wound up. Uh, I, Persia, who I went to Berkeley High with, was like a huge believer and a huge Steph Curry fan. And we had the shirts from the night, the Bollywood night. So I was like, I mean, shit. While I'm here. Let me just get this motherfucker to sign the shirt. So her shirt, the shirt from Bollywood Day, wow. that was the first time we ever interacted. Was wow. the first, was, was uh, get, be getting her a shirt the next day at Beehive. 
That is, I wonder, did they put any uh, the like the curry flair, like trying to connect the Bollywood to the spice name and all that? No, you know what it was. You know what it was. Vivek, Vivek was the uh, Vivek was the, was a was a part owner at that point. Yeah. So I think that was it was his deal. That I was what it. it was. But that I was the first it. time we ever ever met. Well, we came a long way because even back then, like before Bollywood night, like I was on. I was on BART giving out Clipper cards and free tickets to our games because we were just making sure that people would, would, uh, wow. would stick with us through the through – because the, we believe was such a distant memory at that point. It was like, all right, what's about to happen now? We was giving out free cards on BART. <laughs> over Jeez. in the East Bay. I remember we used to get uh, we used to get the tickets from Lucky's in Lake Mary. Yeah, I remember yeah, no, yeah, I remember that, uh that my dad my worked at my dad worked at the uh Lucky or the Whole Foods, but he would always go to that and so uh what's his name? And I know you gotta get out of it. I'll leave it at this. Mikel Petrus used to go to the Whole Foods over there and he would just like he would um uh, him and my dad got hella cool. So he would just um uh, he would just leave tickets for my dad or sometimes like I would just go up to the ticket office be like yo Mikhail Petrus left me tickets and they would like be like Mikhail Petrus and then would go to Mikhail <laughs> and he got me tickets to a, game, a couple games and just out of nowhere that's how it was back then uh, some good old days man some good time humble beginnings to say the least yes sir um <laughs> Raj any last words no shout out to Piedmont baby ain't no dog Come on, let me live, bro. That's shout what out I to know. Piedmont, man. Shout out shout to Piedmont. Out. Uh, shout out to Piedmont. Shout out to Persia P from the B. And thanks again, Steph, man. This is our third anniversary show. Uh, That's me we clapping. Have made it. I'm clapping for y'all. That's big Appreciate time. that, bro. Thanks, bud. Um, I will see you in a This in is a hard business. A, this is hard business to try to keep, <laughs> keep the uh, entertainment value high, and y'all are doing it. So, congratulations. Appreciate Thank you. you. Hey, I, I wanted to say, dog. Hey, congrats! I saw the win on the golf tournament. Like, I know that's dope, dog. I'm going and from and the, the the real ones to Beyond the Fairway podcast next. <laughs> there you go, bro. Do your thing, man. Yo, was Good that, luck, bro. Was was that not, that what that was not a championship? That was not a championship by yeah. any means, right? It wasn't an NBA title, but it was a championship nonetheless. How do you feel about winning it? I'm legit calling it number five. That's number five. Mm. Right <laughs> yeah, it looked like it. <laughs> But you ain't see that boy's reaction. It looked like, bro. He damn near yeah. was finna cry, bro. He let was me, really finna yeah. cry. Let me yeah. show you something right here. Look at it. Hold on, hold on. Can you see it? Look at it. Look oh, at it. That's on oh, the desk. The rest of the desk. <laughs> 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 All right, up? dog. I'll see you in a couple yeah, months, bro. bro. Yeah. I, I, I holla, man. Thanks so much, man. That's been another edition of Real Ones. This is our last episode of the summer. We'll see y'all in the fall. Ah, ah. All the shits. Bye. Yes, sir. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. 
True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.